Welcome to Social Minute, the podcast that looks at the social network minute by minute. Today, we are going to be covering minute number 44, I want to say. (laughs) And that is from 43 to 43.59 on the clock. And in this minute, we are back in the, uh, we're in the the deposition rooms. Uh, We're in the the second deposition or the first deposition, the first deposition with the Winklevoss twins. Um, and we get to the the kind of why the question was asked about if Mark knew about uh, the Winklevoss twins having money, uh, because obviously when he wanted to you know ask for money, why didn't he ask them? Why did he ask Eduardo Saverin? And it leads to probably one of the kind of the best kind of shots in the film where Mark says, "Well, he was my best friend." And we see the reverse shot to where Eduardo was sitting in the previous scene mm-hmm. uh, because Eduardo was previously deposed <laughs> and he was giving evidence. And the seat where he used to sit is where Mark looks over. Uh, and of course, um, <laughs> this is where the lawyer then, I don't know why, but he decides to twist the knife and he says, well, he's not your best friend anymore. Um, and that's where the minute finishes. Uh, but yeah, so it's mostly deposition. You know, we're kind of uh, we're, we're kind of getting we're back in the deposition room. Um, you know, for for the entire of this minute, and then you know, in the next minute, we'll kind of uh, we'll kind of finally get out of the deposition room, and and the story will kind of move forward a little bit more in in the uh, in the present day, uh, as it were. Um, and joining me to talk about today is Sarah Ifdek. Hello, Sarah. Hello. Thanks for having me. Now, uh, yeah, so this kind of we, obviously yesterday we talked a little bit about the kind of the class distinctions that were kind of being brought up here with, um, you know, the Winklevoss twins. Um, and obviously, you know, Mark, I like how cagey he gets where he basically doesn't seem to understand what the English language means, uh, where he was asking yesterday a family of means. And then he actually said, I'm not sure why you're asking me that. And of course, Gage said, doesn't matter why I'm asking, you know, like obviously he's the lawyer. He's going to lead this down where he needs to go. Um, and eventually, you know, kind of Sai gets him to answer and he says, I had no idea whether or not they came, whether, where, sorry, I had no idea whether they came from money or not. Um, and that's where our minute starts. And then, of course, Gage says, in one of your emails to Mr. Narendra, you referenced Howard Winklevoss's consulting firm. And of course, Mark, as he's been doing for a lot of this, he's like, if you say so. Mm. Um, and, <laughs> and then, of course, we get this whole thing where Gage lays out the fact that Howard Winklevoss, uh, you know, founded a firm whose assets are, you know, in the hundreds of millions, uh, which I think obviously, you know, the, by the end of the film, Mark is obviously going to be a billionaire. So the fact that this this firm is worth hundreds of millions uh, obviously draws a distinction and makes it clear it's not worth billions in any way. It's not yeah. even worth a billion. Um, so it's an interesting little thing that kind of, you know, they put there. And of course, he says, you know, Cameron and Tyler were members of the Harvard final club called the Porcellian. And <laughs> like mm-hmm. Marks, they pointed it out. And then, yeah. of course, you don't have to guess which one responds first, because, of course, Tyler is like, excuse us for inviting you in. And of course, Mark completes the sentence saying to the bike room. <laughs> and, you know, I, I I just love the kind of the, the I mean, I, I think something which, you know, I don't think I really spoke much about here, but is the. 
the kind of cadence that Sorkin has for dialogue. And so the fact that, you know, Tyler is like, thanks for, inv- excuse us for inviting you in. Of course, Mike, Mark literally says straight away to the bike room as if, as if that was an unfinished thought that Cameron had. And that kind of thing is something that Sorkin does quite a bit in terms of like the dialogue. Mm-hmm. There's always like a, a kind of, um, I don't know. I, I feel that Sorkin in interviews has talked about it being like music, um, the way that the dialogue is delivered. And I think there's some kind of back and forth in the film where you kind of get, you know, a kind of th- that really works. And in particular, these deposition scenes where the lines are very quick between the different characters. There is it is kind of very finely balanced uh, where when you get these little kind of interjections like that. And I think that's uh, and I also like that how when Mark says, you know, to the bike room, Gage is like, please, like to t- like yeah. directing at Tyler, just like, please, just cut like for five minutes. Mm-hmm. Just, <laughs> just I'm the lawyer. I'm asking the questions. I'll get us to where we need to go. Don't interrupt and don't kind of you know provoke Mark. Just, you know, let let me kind of handle this whole thing right and Um, it's also so illustrative as well of the different ways in which they see their experiences and their uh relation and their relationship to one another um with the winklevoss is very much presenting it as we were doing you a favor um and mark now being in the position to say well no you really weren't Uh, i mean there's a there's a kind of sorkinism which i think was earlier in the film I, I can't quite remember but it's something that he's put in a number of different films um, and tv projects where someone you know who is wealthy says you know i'm so wealthy i could buy this and turn it into my ping pong room and i think that's something he says in this film as well where mm-hmm. he's like i could buy the porcelain and turn it into my ping pong room like that's a measure of his wealth yeah um so yeah like but also you know the whole kind of you know the, the kind of bike room scene was kind of important because you know that is where the idea was pitched of um you know uh, harvard connect yeah um later called connect you so like that's that's where the idea was pitched so bringing the bike room up from mark's point of view is like you know that's as far as i got like, uh-huh. <laughs> like it's not like it's not like anyone punched him after that like nobody like no one thought well this guy's going to be really you know a, 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 i don't know a good computer guy or whatever mm-hmm. let's let's have him join our club so like the the invitation was never extended and you know we don't know what mark zuckerberg's you know, intentions were but but it certainly the film maybe paints it just a little bit that he was he was willing to work with the Winklevoss twins because maybe he thought down the line they might invite him in properly you know they might invite him to be a member of their club uh, but obviously that never happened um, right so, and then there's you know. the kind of you know at the same time Eduardo is being invited into the I believe fancier final club if I remember correctly did the distinctions between uh, them uh, I think the Phoenix is just more diverse oh, okay. that's, that's the kind of selling point of it I think the, I, I don't think any of the finals clubs are kind of better than the others I think they're all kind of just it's better to be in one of them mm-hmm. than being none of them right um, but yeah, the Fe- I don't think the Phoenix is necessarily any better than the Porcelian. Yeah. Uh, but by all accounts, they were all as terrible as each other. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so the fact that Eduardo got invited into one of the clubs, whereas Mark didn't, is also setting up the fact that you know the Winklevoss twins, if they you know if they had been his friends, uh, which is is something that they kind of you know is kind of brought up here a little bit. If they had been his friends, then they might have said to the rest of the club, "Why don't we invite Mark in? Why don't we?" you know, have him do the whole whatever whatever ridiculous initiation ceremony is required. <laughs> why don't we have why don't we have them do that? I mean, for heaven's sake, Divian Arendra is a member of this club. <laughs> it can't be that elite. Um once again, I say I don't know the real Divian Arendra, mm-hmm. uh, but just in the film, he's portrayed as being a little bit below everybody else, mm-hmm. uh, almost like he was a sympathy. Again, it's funny that they say that the uh, the, the you know the Phoenix is more diverse because obviously Divian Arendra is is in the uh, is in the Porcelain, so um, so they at least you know. have a few, I don't know, potentially token uh, 
uh yeah <laughs> which is I, I kind of say, questionable i don't know that, that i imagine there's a lot of questionable things happening in terms of these uh <clears throat> these clubs all making certain choices about uh you know their type well of for for a, for a, for a start all of them are all male so yeah um yeah, they're already they're already one notch down from being reasonable anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. So of course, you know, Gage lays out for everybody that they're in the final club. He got into the bike room, and then of course, this is where he gets like this has all been leading to this question, which is where he says, um, <laughs> you know, uh, let me tell you why I'm asking. And you're like, well, it's you know, obviously for the purposes of the film, it's just an illustration of the class differences between Mark Zuckerberg and the Winklevoss twins. But it's nice that we get to the point, which is, you know, if you needed a thousand dollars for an internet venture, you didn't ask my clients for it, you know. And they demonstrated this kind of interest. And of course, this is where we get the wonderful, you know, switch of angle. And Mark says, I went to my friend for the money because that's who I wanted to be partners with. And then, of course, he says, Eduardo was the president of the Harvard Investors Association uh, and he was my best friend. And <clears throat> that's where the minute ends. But I don't know. I, I find it interesting because, you know, you know, the, the kind of I, to me, when he says he was president of the Harvard Investors Association, um, you know, uh, I, 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 to me, it's a little bit funny because it always makes me think of, um, and I don't know if you've seen this film, but um, uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. Yeah. And the, the, the like the investment, like as they go, as uh, in 10 Things I Hate About You, uh, obviously Joseph Gordon-Levitt is, is the, new, the new guy at school and he's taken around the campus, introduced to the different cliques um, that, are, that are taking place. And one of them is um, the kind of the investors club. And the president of it is Bogey Lowenstein. Um, and, um, and, and to me, it makes me think that Eduardo Saverin is like Bogey Lowenstein in 10 Things I Hate About You. <laughs> um, and later on, Bogey Lowenstein holds a party, but he just invites his investor friends. Um, but then um, they make copies of it and give them to everybody. And it's like a huge party. And that's where Julia Stiles, um, you know, her character gets super drunk and like falls over and then, you know, goes outside and swings on a swing next to Heath Ledger. Mm. Um, but yeah, so it's, I don't know. It always makes me think of that, of like, you know, they're only a couple of years removed away from the fact that they would have been like in some kind of high school investors club. And yet like... Right, it really doesn't seem that <clears throat> impressive. Like, yeah. To what extent, like, do they actually have, how much money do they actually have? Like, are they getting money from like the Harvard Student Activities Fund to invest? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, this is not an impressive organization. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, one of, it's one of those kind of things. It's one of those really weird things where it's like, um, you know, I, I, like, I don't, I don't quite, I don't quite understand. <laughs> like, I don't quite understand how that's meant to be, um, you know, kind of like a, a, a selling point. But I guess it's just an excuse for Mark to kind of say that's why he picked Eduardo. Um, although, you know, right. from the events that we've seen depicted in the film, you know, Mark had already spent that thousand dollars before he'd asked Eduardo for it. <laughs> you know, he, he literally, he, right. you know, he literally said to Eduardo, we need a thousand dollars for a server. And then, of course, Eduardo was like, go ahead. And Mark was like, already have. <laughs> and so, um, you know, so I, I that's kind of the relationship that they had. So it, like in court, it sounds more kind of sinister where it's like why did he why did you go to him instead of them but for mark it was like well he's literally just sleeping in the room over there like i can spend his money without having to you know go all the way to the bike room with a porcelain you know like so it, i don't know from a viewer's yeah. point of view it kind of makes sense why he asked um you know eduardo but at the same time yeah like the harvard investors association does feel a little bit like kind of like you know kids playing playing at being adults doesn't it of like 
I don't know. Right. How much yeah. invest in their parents' money probably in something. Um, yeah. You know. um, and I like as well, this is how, you know, Gage, once again, like he gradually starts kind of like twisting the knife where he says your best friend is suing you for $600 million. And of course, I love Jesse Eisenberg's wonderful delivery of, I didn't know that. Tell me more. <laughs> like, <laughs> he really is. I think he's so interesting in these scenes because it really highlights that in a lot of ways from a lawyer's perspective, he's a really good client for a deposition because he really does not give any more than he absolutely needs to. He's not a client that you really have to worry about saying too much, but, and this is obviously not something that you're going to get to until a while, but he would not do well in front of a jury. He is not likable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I think, I think actually that's the kind of the interesting thing about the depositions is, you know, um, kind of the, the second deposition, which of course is where we jump to before the end of this minute, uh, which is, you know, where we, we go from, because obviously we've got the same lawyers, um, you know, size in both depositions. So it kind of allows us yeah. to kind of seamlessly go between the two. And then, you know, this is where we kind of jump to the question of like what happened after the initial launch. And then this is where we get the, the kind of language thing of, I'm sorry, Sai, would you mind addressing him as Mr. Saverin? And then, of course, Sai's like, you know, Gretchen, their best friends. And of course, this is where Gretchen's like, not anymore. And that's where our minute ends. But I do like that, you know, on one side, Gage is like, your best friend is suing you. And on the other side, you know, in that actual lawsuit, the other person is like, you're not best friends anymore. <laughs> like, like both, both, both lawyers who are kind of working on behalf of the clients are kind of really sticking the knife in and making it clear that Mark has got no friends anymore. Um, you know, which... And it's a good tactic that they want to push him to get upset. I mean, that's very much what you would want to do in this kind of case as a lawyer, because if you make somebody upset, then they're going to maybe say something that they regret about their relationship that would be illustrative of, you know, something wrong having happened. Yeah. So it's a good tactic to push him in that way. And he does not, you know, he does not yield to that, which, as I said, he's a good client for a deposition. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we'll get into it more, you know, tomorrow, because obviously we're, we, we kind of bounce between the two depositions a little bit more. Um, before we get the build up to, you know, people, people, I mean, it's funny because, you know, we're like almost, I don't know, we're, we're kind of uh, like a third of the way into the film. And finally, we've got to the point where Facebook is a thing. Um, and we've, right. we've just, we've, we only kind of at this point had discussions between people, you know, reading about in the Crimson and stuff like that. Um, so kind of next week, we'll get more of a demonstration of the impact that Facebook kind of had immediately uh, on the campus. Um, but yeah, but I do kind of just love that, like in both depositions, both of the lawyers are trying this tactic of like, you've got no friends anymore, Mark, and everybody is suing you, Mark. And I do like that Mark's reaction is just like, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I'm sitting, I'm sitting through these depositions. You don't need to tell me about like what's going on. Like, you know, this is not news to me that Eduardo Saverin is suing me. Um, although I do love the angle of like the empty chair because it just emphasizes that, you know, Eduardo was sitting there yeah. a few days ago in this deposition and now he's not there. And, you know, that's kind of true in Mark's life. You know, Eduardo is no longer there, um, you know, and and the kind of the, the stuff that is kind of in flashback um, between like Eduardo and Mark. I always kind of like that relationship. Like, you know, the I, I don't know. How, mm -hmm. I don't know. how. I mean, I guess maybe it's just because Jesse Eisenberg and Andrew Garfield have like a really good chemistry together. Um, yeah. And so it does kind of feel like a real relationship. Obviously, we're meeting them when they're sophomores. So I'm guessing that they were freshmen together. And, you know, from the opening scene, you do kind yeah. of get that feeling of two people who've at least 
shared some kind of dorm for like a year or something um you know yeah because obviously i mean i don't know how it works in america um but over here if you want to be in dorms then uh most universities in this country only offer it for the first year so freshmen can have uh like campus uh, accommodation or off-campus accommodation and then when you get to the second year that's when you have to kind of find some people and rent a house together somewhere (laughs) um and yeah, so in so in the states, a lot of universities have four years guaranteed housing, and I think Harvard actually is one of them. Where if you want to, you can live in the dorms all four years. Yeah, um, um, and a decent amount of students do. I think. I well, I think I don't because obviously I'm guessing. I mean, you know, this is just based on me having watched a number of different media over the years with regards to you know American colleges, uh, but I'm guessing in the first year you kind of just get thrown in with whoever. And I would assume... Yeah, they they have you take, at least at some at most universities, at least, or at least this is how it worked at my institution, they have you take a quiz um, where you, you know, talk about yourself a little bit and you, you know, talk about, you know, pref- some preferences on things. And they, in theory, at least, try to match you with a roommate who they think that you will get along with. Yeah. Um, but I would say those matches sometimes work out better than others. Um, you know, I know a lot of people that became really good friends with their freshman year roommates and a lot of people that did not at all. Well, I know for a fact that it did not work between uh, the showrunner of HBO's Chernobyl, uh, which is Craig Mazin, the uh, the writer and podcaster, uh, because his roommate was Eduardo Cruz, uh, the, oh, sen- right. yes. the senator and <laughs> former presidential hopeful. Uh, Craig Mazin has on a number yeah. of different outlets made it clear that he hated living with Ted Cruz and Ted Cruz was a terrible human being. Uh, so I, Which was just delightful during that election. Oh yeah, wonderful. I, I mean, I, I, I think Craig Mazin has written a number of films that people don't find to be that good. Uh, but and but one of the films that he I think the only film that he's directed to this point or had only directed until a couple of years ago uh, was a film called Superhero Movie, which was a parody of superhero movies in like 2008, which is by before mm-hmm. the whole genre became big. Um, it's mostly yeah. a, it's mostly a parody of like Spider-Man films. Uh, and Craig Mazin like directed that. Uh, and I think many years ago I said I kind of tweeted at him and said, uh, you know, I really enjoyed Superhero Movie. And he kind of tweeted back. Thanks. Um, but also the fact mm-hmm. that he hates Ted Cruz, uh, like pretty much most of the American population, uh, always delights me. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, so I so but I'm guessing that then for the for the sophomore year, Mark would have been able to choose his roommates, and in that yeah. case, he probably would have picked Eduardo, Dustin, Chris, you know, the rest of the guys who founded Facebook, apart from that one guy yeah. who didn't found Facebook, and I'm sure is probably <laughs> regretting not being in the dorm at the right time um, right. to this very day. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I'm, but I'm guessing like the kind of the arrangement that we see at the start of the film, you know, is is a choice that's been made by those guys, and you know that I would think yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's what it feels like. Whereas over here, um, you know, the bane of a number of cities is student accommodation and the fact that people buy mm-hmm. houses and then divide, you know, like a four bedroom house into five flats and then have that as student housing, and you know, that's something that you know a lot of university students in in the in the United Kingdom. Once you're no longer in the first year, as soon as you're in second year, you have to find at least two or three other people that you think you can get along with Mm -hmm. so that you can go and rent a house together somewhere. But yeah, so I mean, we'll see the impact of Facebook, uh, you know, in tomorrow's minute. Uh, but is there anything else that you think we need to cover from this minute? Uh, no, I think that's everything I especially wanted to mention about this one. Uh, well, then I will ask the question I've been asking on Thursdays, which is, uh, what is your favorite social network? 
uh, if you can indeed uh, have a favorite social network. Obviously, you know, people think of the, you know, the big ones, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, but, you know, there might be other websites that kind of class themselves in that way that you might have enjoyed. It probably is Facebook, actually. So, uh, you know, as you know, in terms of how, you know, we know each other, uh, the Flophouse and the other, you know, the Flophouse group and the other uh, kind of groups associated with podcasts, uh, those private groups on Facebook have been a really nice way to kind of create communities and that I've actually met people through those that I know in real life now. Um, and so because of that and that kind of group feature i would say that's actually what uh kind of tips the scales in favor of facebook at this point yeah and twitter is kind of a nightmare <laughs> yeah I, th- I think actually it's kind of interesting because you know obviously the you know there's always been the kind of a lot of controversy about you know the various like we've discussed the kind of privacy options of facebook um and now you can obviously lock your your kind of profile down to pretty much everything except for your cover photo and your profile picture um, and even then you can kind of make it so that you know, only your close friends can see all of your profile pictures. So like that you can really get yeah. your Facebook page down to so that from public view, it's basically nothing. Um, but, you know, mm-hmm. there are even some people I know who kind of even on their Facebook page, they don't really ever use it. But because they're a member mm-hmm. of different groups, that's that's kind of their participation on Facebook is mostly in the in the kind of groups. Um, and, you know, there have even yeah. been articles in the past couple of years, you know, where people have talked about how the best feature on Facebook is, you know, kind of these different groups that you can join that have very specific kind of uh, areas of interest. Um, and even, you know, I, I don't know if the, I mean, there was a thing literally this week uh, about kind of the, the different statuses of certain groups. Uh, and I know there are a few groups that kind of went secret and then went back to being closed. <laughs> and I don't know why, but um oh i can actually answer part of that question um that there's a couple issues at least but one of them had to do with the fact that if you if it's closed rather than secret if somebody invites you to the group even without the mods approving you you can immediately see all the posts in that group um which especially uh so i'm one of the mods for the uh kind of women's offshoot of the flophouse group and you know we have posts that are very personal that we don't necessarily want just anyone who gets invited to the group to see, especially because it's very easy to even invite somebody to the group by accident. Um, So that was an issue. And then apparently there is also an issue with people joining groups and then posting things essentially with the goal of getting those groups banned. But I don't know many of the details about that. Yeah, that was something that I heard. And I, I you know, obviously, I, I think maybe my own usage on Facebook is, again, it, like most people that I know, is probably mostly in the groups. You know, the stuff that I put on my own Facebook page, like publicly, it's very rare that I ever put anything that's a public post for a start. Uh, but most of it <laughs> I put that's kind of limited to, a you know, a close group of friends or whatever. Uh, it's not particularly controversial. It's mostly about how many times I go to cinema, which is a lot. Um, uh-huh. But, you know, yeah, so I, the, most of my activity is kind of in the groups. Um, and I think that's one of the features that I, you know, I think not enough people kind of uh, understand about Facebook. Uh, even to the point yeah. where a couple of years ago, Facebook seemed to be make, like putting up an option, like, you know, how it normally has the, you know, what are you thinking or whatever, like for the Facebook statuses. Um, they also started doing this thing of like, you know, these three people like the same thing as you create a group for it. And it was always kind of like, right. What, what, I don't want to create like 20 more groups, Facebook. <laughs> I'm already in way too many. I don't, I don't need you. Right, to, exactly. I'm definitely in far too many yeah, Facebook groups. I don't need you to encourage me to create more groups. Like that's not a thing that needs <laughs> to be done. You know, like I've already made way too many Facebook groups at this point. Uh, but the interesting <laughs> thing about like Facebook pages, I think can be deleted. Um, whereas Facebook groups cannot be deleted. You can only archive a group. 
Um, mm-hmm. So it, I don't know. I think that that's kind of interesting that stuff that happens in groups is kind of more permanent than stuff that happens on, you know, even people's own kind of, you know, pages and stuff. Um, so yeah. it's, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a weird thing that I guess it's just the way that the coding is done. There's something that I don't think many people realize, but the coding on Facebook is absolutely awful. Um, as much as as genius as Mark Zuckerberg was, there's certain kind of glitches and stuff that you know Facebook can't get rid of because if they did, they'd have to rip mm-hmm. up the original code, and the whole thing would kind of fall apart. Um, so I'm sure anybody mm-hmm. who's been in a Facebook group and they've tried to, as soon as any any kind of thing reaches more than a thousand kind of comments on a on a post in a group, it immediately stops notifying people and, and kind of dies. Um, so. Right. So you have the kind of multiple threads uh, for things along those lines. You know, I have a group that has a few kind of running threads and, you know, they hit a thousand comments, the thread's dead, you start a new thread. Yeah. So that kind of stuff, like they could fix it, but they'd have to kind of tear apart the code and it just wouldn't like it would kind of destroy how Facebook works. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so there's kind of glitches and stuff they can't get rid of. But uh, yeah, I know the, I, the groups, I think, are kind of interesting because, like I say, it's just one of those. Not, not yet, but like if you're in a group, you don't get adverts. Like people complain about like news feeds full of adverts and all that kind of stuff. If all you do is have, if all you do is have a group and you only have you know notifications for posts from that group, you'll never see an advert on your feed because. Oh yeah, I see very few. Yeah, so it's it's kind of weird that you know people um, you know kind of don't really know about that. But yeah, there's been a few articles recently. I'm sure people can find them about how good certain groups are and how. You know, not yeah, but the thing is, the kind of moderation in the groups is something that doesn't normally exist on Facebook anyway, unless you're going to insist on constantly right. deleting every single comment that your parents make on all of your posts on your own page. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a level of moderation that the Facebook groups have that, you know, a lot of the stuff on Facebook doesn't have. Um, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why, you know, certain people are atta- attracted to groups because there's a level of control. Um, and, in, you know, as as Mark Zuckerberg wanted, you know, the experience is exclusive, like being in certain clubs, yeah. you know, like certain groups. It's like being in a finals club, like, you you know, you have to be invited to get into some of these. And, you know, if the group is secret, you'll never know that the group exists. Um, right. So. And especially I will say as Facebook is more and more something where, you know, I'm friends with a lot of family members, I'm friends with a lot of colleagues, Um, And so that is a different experience and a different way of being on Facebook than it was when I, you know, joined when I was a freshman in college. And it was really basically just my high school and college friends who were on Facebook. Yeah. um, That it has very much transformed in that way. Yes. And I think much to the chagrin of Facebook, uh, (laughs) you know, the whole the whole experience has become uh, a lot more kind of middle aged people sharing memes. Uh, and I, you know, I, I that, that's that's why I would love a sequel to the Social Network to just deal of like, you know, somebody at Facebook Network being like, oh, they keep sharing these bloody minion memes. What can we do about it? And Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> being like, nothing. That's it. <laughs> that's Facebook now. It's just minion memes, and you know, that's it. You can't you can't do anything about it. Minion memes and your fifty year old kind of racist aunt. Yes, that's it. That's Facebook now in a nutshell, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, I feel like we said about as much as we possibly can about this minute. So let's go to plugs. Yes. Is there anything that you wish to plug, Sarah? Uh, yes, I have a podcast called Media Evil, a medieval pop culture podcast. And I and my co-host, Ollie Brady, talk about medieval movies and why they're wrong. Uh, and you can find us on various podcasting platforms and on Twitter at Media Evil Pod. Uh, and we have a Facebook group, which... You're welcome to join. You can find us on MySpace at myspace.com slash the social minute or on Twitter at social underscore minute or on Facebook at the social minute podcast. Thanks for being my guest here today, Sarah. Thank you very much. And I will see you tomorrow. Bye.